there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous and it truly loves America. Mac isn't here today. Uh, she was going to be. Last minute things happened. But as previously planned, we, of course, have our third today. Chris Sims is back to talk about the presidential dilemma. How's it going, Chris? Uh, it's going very well. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry that Mac isn't here, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to once again be the emergency backup Mac. Because this is not my favorite episode of Gem, but only because Intrigue at the Indy 500 exists. This show is going an entirely different direction before a villain from Spidey Super Stories shows up and tries to kidnap the president. It's like they accidentally put in the last ten pages of a completely different script. Yeah, I would believe it. And, and it's very G.I. Joe-ish. This is, as stated, Presidential Dilemma, Season 2, Episode 17, a.k.a. Episode 43. This one was written by Beth Bornstein, and this is the last episode she has brought us. She also brought us Adventure in China, Hot Time in Hawaii, and The Fan. Yeah, and she really went out with a bang. She sat down and said, how can I top a robot shark? And here we are. This is Starlight Mansion. The girls are just sort of hanging around. Then a couple of guys in suits are here. They knock on the door. They're from the federal government. I like to think of these two as Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson from Die Hard. And they're delivering a telegram? On orders of the president, this can only be delivered to Jem. Uh, also, uh, I do want to take a moment to appreciate Jerrica's Captain Boomerang cosplay. The telegram from the president says that she's been invited to perform at the Kennedy Center for the president and presumably a theater full of other people, but whatever. They also just hand it over to Jem. They don't even ask to see some ID. It is signed, the president. Does he have a name? No, he is never named. Maybe his parents really had some high expectations for him, so his name is the president. First name, the last name, president. Yes. Everyone's also completely starstruck by the idea of appearing in front of the president and putting on a show, which feels a little weird to me because performing for the president isn't really as big as being the first woman to win the Indianapolis 500, going to China. They've done so many things that just like putting on a show for a dude in a big white house seems a little blasé at this point. And then we get to the Kennedy Center and Jem is in this enormous David Byrne jacket. I always thought it was kind of like her Seinfeld jacket. Yeah, but her Seinfeld jacket isn't usually so large that it dwarfs her head. And Jem meets up with the White House's entertainment coordinator, who gives her a little tour around the theater. And Jem points out some guys installing some tiny satellite dish doodads around the theater. And she's like, okay, so what are those? And the coordinator says they're, quote, security measures for the president. I'm afraid I can't give you much more information. They look kind of like tiny death rays. Do they just vaporize the band if they're not satisfactory? They are, of course, anti-holographic technology. Yeah, they are built specifically to block holograms, presumably. <laughs> They're made by bears. This makes perfect sense for the president to have in the universe of Jim. Uh, Jim takes place in the same universe as G.I. Joe and the Inhumanoids. It makes perfect sense for the president to need, like, weird protection from death rays and satellite dishes. Uh, this is a guy who has to deal with Destro coming after him all the time. Anyway, Jem's hologram fizzles out when they fire up the security system. Jerrica's hiding behind the stage curtains trying to get back in contact with Synergy, and she can't. And eventually, the White House entertainment manager walks up all, Who are you? Like, he doesn't know who Jem and the hologram's manager is, I guess. Jerrica even says, I'm her business manager, so Jem asks that I handle the details. 
And for some reason, the entertainment coordinator's really mad about having to deal with the band's manager instead of the front woman? In theory, this should be Jerrica's job anyway, right? She's busy doing the company's taxes, I guess. Jerrica, I guess the hologram is still fizzled out. She goes to give Kimber a call, and everybody just sort of wiggles a lot in this little scene. They kind of move a little too much. And Jerrica tells Kimber that Synergy's not working, so they gotta pack her up and bring her to Washington. Yeah, good luck getting that on an airplane. They could they could go to China and this was fine. Well, look, China does not have our superior hologram blocking technology. China does not have to deal with the forces of Cobra. Also, I love Kimber's palm tree dress with the giant palm tree world championship belt that she's wearing. Kimber moonlights, it's fine. So, over to the misfits. They're watching the news where the woman on the news says the mastermind thief who has been dubbed the Washington Marauder is back in the news tonight. And the misfits don't care, so they change to Lindsay's show. (laughs) There are only two news programs on television at any given time. One of them is the regular news, which is talking about the Washington Marauder. The other is Lindsay saying that Jem's going to perform for the president and that Jem and the Holograms are, quote, quickly becoming the hottest band in rock and roll today. Becoming? Lindsay Pierce. What's really great about this is they switch over to Lindsay talking about Jem and Pizzazz is like, ooh, I want to see this. And then Lindsay gets five seconds into a report and Pizzazz is like, ugh, turn it off. Okay, they're in Washington, D.C. That's where we need to be. Eric, get us in Washington, D.C. And then Eric is like, I can't get you into Washington, D.C. Thanks for nothing, Eric. So the misfits say that, fine, they're going to handle this their way. Their way is going to Congress. I'm not totally familiar with the American government system. Can you just walk onto the House floor like that and start yelling? There's actually, like, a couple of balconies up on either side where tourists sort of shuffle through. Sometimes they can sit down in there and watch things happen. But nine times out of ten, they're just sort of shuffled in and out. And I think that's closed while Congress is in session anyway. So generally speaking, absolutely not. I feel like we could have forgiven this if they busted in on motorcycles shaped like guitars. But they didn't. We get a pretty good line where the Speaker of the House says, uh, I move that this Congress, and Pizzazz interrupts him and says, is ready to rock! Which is amazing. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. There's one more issue to vote on here, guys. Since Jim and the Holograms are performing a concert for the Prez, we feel the Misfits should have an equal opportunity. And they've prepared a little number to introduce themselves, and Stormer pulls out her keytar. Oh my god. We have our music video, which is Star Spangled Fantasy. It's the worst Misfits song. Underneath it, I have one note, and that note says democracy was a mistake. So, is this really happening, or does this entire sequence take place in the dream world of the music videos? I think the song's diegetic, but I don't know if they do their weird little conga dance. How would you guys describe this conga line they do? I I mean, I'd rather not, if it's all the same to you. Non-Euclidean? Let's go with non-Euclidean. The conga line is bad. But the video also has Stormer riding through the sky, standing on two rockets, like holding them like they're water skis. Yeah, she's got like reins for those things. There's Pizzazz dressed like Washington crossing the Delaware, but standing on the wrong end of the boat. She's also at one point riding in a motorcade down a busy street. Oh crap, I know how this ends. There is a shot of Roxy, Jetta, and Stormer holding sparklers while standing in cheerleader formation on the point of the Washington Monument. By all accounts, this video makes no sense. 
By the way, the misfits are completely rightfully escorted from the building after they finish their song. They are ejected from Congress. Right before she's being pulled for the room, she shouts, Hey, wait, what's your vote? And the entire Congress boos her. So we cut to, I guess it's the Holograms Hotel, but Rhea almost drops a piece of synergy and Jem yells at her, saying, Without this equipment, there's no concert. And then we pan over to a bunch of maids with Technicolor hair and guess who they are? I love that we don't even get a story about how or why the Misfits got those maid costumes. We just take it as a matter of fact that they got disguises, found the hologram's hotel room, and snuck in. Jerrica also tells Rhea that without this equipment, there's no concert. Also, no synergy. Without that equipment, your your mom friend is, is gone. And also, along with that, her ability to hack the internet before the internet existed and, and create your alternate person. But no, you're, you're right. You're right. No concert for the president. This episode can't seem to decide whether Synergy is their buddy or a toaster. So the misfits overhear that part. They give Eric Raymond a call while they watch the holograms put Synergy together from their own hotel room. They're putting Synergy together in a room in a public space with all of the windows open. So A plus job on that. I guess they're just going to put the do not disturb sign on the door. And Eric is like, this sounds like the same machine my private investigator discovered a while back. What? Continuity? Detective Malone, the best in the biz? I don't understand this. He's from, like, episode three. I like it, though. I like that they remember that Eric kinda sorta knows about Synergy. But yeah, it's, it's weird that this is 40 episodes later. And then Eric says, don't worry, I'll take care of it. Leave it to me. And then we cut into the hotel room. We've got another news report on the Washington Marauder. Kimber just turns the TV off and says, this is too weird. And it's not often that you see the editor's notes actually wind up in the script. It's also the exact same news report that the Misfits were watching earlier. Like, it's the exact same line and everything. Except now it actually continues on because the Marauder has made a videotape declaring that he intends to steal the country's greatest national treasure. This is also where we get our first shot of the Marauder. In the absence of this being a plot from Cobra Commander, I'm really glad that they gave Roddy McDowell another shot to be a different Batman 66 villain than Bookworm. Because it's literally like Fright Night era Roddy McDowell (laughs) in a domino mask and a colonial soldier costume. Not even soldier, like what? It's supposed to be a tricorner, right? But it's clearly a Napoleon hat. I'd like to think that any actual historian that looks specifically at fashions in history, especially in American history, would be appalled at this man's costume. I'm appalled and I don't know anything about American history. The only thing I know about the revolution is that my family fought on the losing side of it, so... Good job on that one. My favorite thing about this costume is that in this show, people just walk around with, like, purple lines and stars on their faces. But the Washington Marauders wearing a domino mask, and they draw the strings on the side. Why is this guy's costume budget a factor? I'm surprised he even has, like, actual eyes there, and it's not just that white fill-in. Also, at this point, the Washington Marauder has been terrorizing DC. Kimber should be like, hey, everybody, come in and watch this. That guy who's been stealing everything is on TV. 
No, it's too weird. So she goes back to the normalcy of their artificial intelligence computer that can create realistic holograms with her keyboard interface that was built by their father before he died of mysterious illness and, unbeknownst to them, used their mother as a template for the AI's personality. The AI, which Kimber's sister uses to create a separate persona so she can perform under a stage name and date her boyfriend with both personas, though he himself is unaware of them being the same person. No, the Washington Marauder is just too weird. Uh, here's the best part of all this. Apparently, Synergy's entire consciousness, which is the most advanced artificial intelligence in the world, fits on a five-inch floppy disk. <laughs> and as they're setting up, Jerrica very quickly gets a phone call from someone who is very clearly Eric Raymond, saying that she's been invited to dinner with the president. She takes it hook, line, and sinker. He's clearly just, like, got his hand over his mouth. Yes, this is definitely not Eric Raymond. How are you? Come to dinner. Do you think that Ice Cube wrote, I'll never have dinner with the president as a response to this scene? Because I do. And there's this tension moment where Synergy takes a while to boot up and they're like, did we do it wrong? Is she not going to boot up properly? And then she, you know, just pips into existence. These people are very impatient as Synergy takes about a quarter of the time it takes my MacBook to boot up. Synergy, like, even does this line rape where she's like, you know, I need some time to warm up after I've been shut down. And there's this little air of, of distress in her voice. Do you think she's aware of being shut down? Do you think she can feel it? And Jerrica seems extremely indifferent to this. She's just like, oh, hey, yeah, give us some tacky dinner outfits uh, and we're out to dinner. Uh, have fun in this room all by yourself. Bye. Meanwhile, what do you mean the president's not expecting us? There's just some mustachio dude out of the front gate. BT dubs. They just drove up to the front freaking gate. In the glitter and gold roadster. He says that the president has another meeting right now, so of course they can't have dinner with him. This is clearly some kind of mistake. Yeah, would you like to know when the president will be done with his meeting and in what room he's meeting them in? Here's today's minutes. And then we find out what the meeting is. I hope this is the 80s war room. It's like a conference desk with seats for five people, and they have a nice little picture of iced tea set out where they watch the Marauders video. And this is just like a meaningless scene where they talk about how, oh no, we don't know what he's going to steal. If we knew he what he was going to steal, we could stop him. And that's it. That's the entire scene. Really? If you knew what he was going to steal, you could stop him from stealing it? My god! All of this feels like the first draft of the script had the Washington Marauder just show up in the third act, and one of the editors was like, no, we need reference to him before that. So Beth Bornstein very sarcastically put in all these news reports in this one meeting scene. So while the holograms are out of the hotel, somebody has snuck in to go get Synergy. And we come back to the holograms on the way back to the hotel, and they're like, well, who would want to prank us? Really? Kimber's like, I can think of four people. Their first initial is M, and behind her, Aja's like, the misfits! Aja, really? <laughs> Thanks, Aja. Glad you could be here. And then they get a call from Synergy, or Jerrica specifically gets a call from Synergy, saying, Jerrica, help, there's an intruder. And then Synergy gets unplugged because she plugs into a single outlet. There's not even a ground! It's just a two-pronged plug! Hey, boss, listen, uh, I, the hotel's doing great. You know, we've got a lot of luxury rooms. You know, we've got on retainer for guests of the president, so usually we're doing okay. Um, quick thing, though, our power bill is 8 million percent above what it usually is. But, you know, they've got that do not disturb sign on the door, so we can't get in. So Synergy gets unplugged, and as soon as she does, the, the holograms go away. Synergy just got unplugged. Her consciousness as we know it may be damaged. Uh, Memento Mori, you didn't buy enough of Synergy's dolls. This is what happens, kiddos. So the holograms get back to the hotel, 
They run upstairs, see that Synergy's gone, look out the window and see like a bunch of moving guys moving the parts of Synergy into a truck. They didn't notice that on their way in. Yeah, it was right in front of their car. So now it's time for a low-speed chase. In a long list of favorite parts of this episode, this might be the funniest one. The holograms are racing after the truck. They're trying to find Synergy. A gate shuts behind them, and then they have to look up at the sign to realize they're at the Pentagon. And the sign says Pentagon. It's a very distinctive building. It's so distinctive that we call it by the shape it is. It's also really hard to just drive in. You know what? They're an unauthorized vehicle. How did they not just get shot? Anyway, the FBI got a tip that unauthorized equipment was smuggled into Washington. That's right. Eric's master plan was to anonymously tip the FBI. Unauthorized equipment. What does that mean? Well, at least they're just going to run some tests on Synergy. They're not going to, like, mangle Synergy as frightened children in, in the 80s watch, right? I got some bad news for you. Why are they, like, tearing pieces of Synergy off? Why are they using wire cutters on Synergy? And this is all done to the tune of our second song, Time is Running Out, from Gem and the Holograms. We last saw this one in In Stitches, you know, the Venice episode. This video has... 100% less busking, 100% less Rio, but 100% more nightmare fuel. The music video is them trying to break into the White House, and while they do that, Synergy slowly loses pieces of herself and is slowly swallowed by an encroaching black darkness while she's silently screaming. They have Synergy create, quote, distractions as they try to get into the White House. Are these like diegetic hologram eagles flying at people's faces? This is not in music video land. This is actually happening. The music video ends and they're arrested in the White House. By like 14 identical uh, Hawk from G.I. Joe's. You know you know what Secret Service agents look like, right? Brown suits, green vests, red hair. I can't believe that I watched like seven seasons of The West Wing and I never saw this part of the White House that has the checkerboard floor and the columns and is open like a football field. And apparently has a direct door to the Oval Office. And the friend is just like, hey, hey, what's going on in this thread? The president actually invites Jerrica into the Oval Office after these people just broke into the White House, presumably, for all he knows, on some kind of weird assassination attempt. You know, it would be nice if maybe there was photo reference available for the Oval Office, uh, so that we didn't all have to rely on our memories about how it looked like the Black Lodge from Twin Peaks. I mean, that sounds right. It's distinctly rectangular shape. He just invites her in and asks her what's going on, and Jerrica tries to explain what Synergy is without explaining what Synergy is. And everybody's eyebrows wiggle a whole lot. And the president's like, look, I need more information if I'm going to let you use this thing in a theater that I'm going to be in, sorry. And then that we just kind of cut to the Pentagon. Yeah, that scene's just sort of over. And uh, then we go to a couple of scientists or engineers studying Synergy, and they're like, this is light years ahead of our current technology. Now, here's where things get weird. So as the engineers are taking apart Synergy, the Washington Marauder is up in the vents, knowing what a TV dinner feels like for my second diehard reference of the show. So he's going to steal America's greatest national treasure, which... Ends up being, spoiler warning, the president. We know that this is his plan all along for reasons that will become apparent soon. Well, that's where you find the president, at the Pentagon. They're in the Pentagon's garage. It opens to the outside. (laughs) They just walk in. It's like this is where you go to the Pentagon to get your oil changed. 
So the Washington Marauder is there, and he's staking the place out. So how does he know the president is going to be there? Wouldn't the better place to kidnap the president from be the Kennedy Center? Like, remember that plot from, like, three plots ago when they were going to perform at the Kennedy Center? How did he get in here? It feels like there's a whole other episode of G.I. Joe that crosses over with this and explains all of this crap. And in comes the president and the holograms. And I guess they've somehow persuaded him to shut down testing on Synergy. Yeah, I get the feeling that Beth couldn't come up with anything good. So it was just, and scene. But I mean, I can't really blame her because you had to get the president to this point. You just had to get the president in this room. The lights go out. And when they come back on, the president is gone. Except he's not gone. He's just right over there. And he's being piled into a truck by the Washington Marauder. I now have in my possession the country's greatest national treasure. See, because it's, cause it's the president. He's, you thought it was an item, but it was a person. You gotta wonder how good his approval rating is that he's considered the national treasure. Right? It really feels like somebody ought to, like, be shooting out the tires on this van. I just feel like there's literally anything separating the Pentagon from the surrounding countryside. Nothing. No snipers, no guns, no spikes, only Jerrica. Who has latched onto the back of the truck as it drives off with the president inside. Commercial break. The holograms decide to start putting Synergy back together, whether the government is going to let them do so or not. I like that Synergy uh, just snaps back together like a Lego set. She does. She's got those little pegs and everything. Meanwhile, on the truck... The Marauder explains that he's not kidnapping the president. Oh, no. He's adding him to an incredible historical collection. And the Marauder, I guess, has an underground bunker museum? He has a real underground frickin' lair 200 feet below the Earth's surface. Yeah, he has a bat cave. He is one giant penny short of a bat cave. Why doesn't he have a giant penny? Uh, so he descends into this bat cave, which is, uh, it's nice. It's so nice. High ceilings, vaulted arches, and inside he has uh, various national treasures. Uh, He has the Betsy Ross flag. He has the Liberty Bell. Yeah, he just took that. Nobody cares. He has moon rocks from the moon. And he says his collection is complete. So we can assume he has the other objects that we would consider national treasures. Like, say, the Declaration of Independence. Like, the Constitution. The Marauder has a perfect replica of the Oval Office. So perfect that it's clearly a square. And his plan is to just keep the president there. Also, it turns out that the Washington Marauder is a true supervillain because he has no less than two costume thugs that just hang out in his in his lair. With Zipper's voice. I love these guys. Because what are they doing? Like, what led these guys to this choice? Do you think he just has really good dental insurance? So the... Two henchmen discover Jerrica, who is sneaking into the bunker after the president and the Washington Marauder. At one point, she yells, the president is not an object for display. Is is that the moral of this episode? It sounds like it, right? Was this a problem in 1987? Was this something that needed to be said? So Jerrica manages to snag some cup behind her and brandish it like a weapon. And the Marauder totally loses and it's like, no, don't touch that. That's Paul Revere's chalice. Is that a thing? There's like five songs in Hamilton about it. I don't know if you, you've heard like the extended version. And then uh, the president uses the distraction of Jerrica stealing the priceless artifact that is Paul Revere's chalice. And he grabs Lincoln's whooping cane. We cut briefly back to the Pentagon where a bunch of 
identical Secret Service guys try to stop the holograms from putting Synergy back together. That's government property you're tampering with, Kimber points out, but this is our equipment. It belongs to the U.S. government now. That doesn't seem legal. Look, the Bill of Rights has been stolen. All bets are off. But before they leave, Synergy boots back up again. And she can reach Jerrica 200 feet below ground. Well, there's no bears down there. And then some amazing things happen. Are you ready for ghost presidents? I am so ready for chubby George Washington. Here he comes on a chubby, chubby horse that looks like it came out of what's opera doc. And he's just like, free the marauder. And then here comes the tallest Abraham Lincoln, who as far as I can tell is about 11 feet tall at this point. And he has this really on the nose line that's like, here's my next proclamation. You must set them free. Like, oh, did we really? No. And then the person we were all waiting for, Teddy frickin' Roosevelt. Yes! He's also on a horse, which is significantly less chubby chubs. And he shouts, let them go, marauder! And then couldn't think of anything else, so bully! She pointedly doesn't make a hologram of Thomas Jefferson to fill out the Rushmore Quartet there. Take that, you slave-owning jerk. The marauder has no choice but to flip out completely. And then he and his thugs run off into the Oval Office, lock the door, and throw away the keys. And then Hologram Abe is like, once again, the union is preserved. And then they all disappear. And then they just kind of leave? Yeah, they just get in the truck and drive away. And on this truck ride, Jerrica is telling the president all about Synergy and the fact that she's an AI and uses holograms. And the president says this is a very weird conversation, but honestly, it's probably not as weird as the conversation they had the day after he took office, where they sat him down and were like, okay, aliens are real and the CIA killed Kennedy. Look, Mr. President, how do you feel about snakes? Hey, just a quick question. Are you a Zartan? You have to tell us if you're a Zartan. And then they go to this press conference. The weirdest press conference ever. Some journalist is like, all right, Mr. President, are you seriously telling us that's what just happened in this episode? And he's like, yes. And also, I might just reveal that Jeb is Jerrica, but no, I don't. And now it's time for the concert. Do you remember that plot? Are we ready to talk about Freedom, the new song from Jim and the Holograms? This song is dedicated to our country and all for which it stands. First of all, Jim is wearing Serpentor's costume. You know that's the off-model version of the glitter and gold costume, right? Yeah, oh, I know. I just think it's very inappropriate for this setting. Then, Jim sings about freedom, backed by an African-American church choir. The last line of the chorus is, I've got freedom and nobody can take it away. The feds stole your fancy computer and said it was theirs now. Here's a whole list that I made of all the things that Jim is free to do. Play a baseball game. Have a birthday party. Write the president a letter. Sing with a gospel choir. Fake the moon landing. Look at some monuments. I also really love that all of these things are separated by these wipe cuts with a silhouette of an eagle with the stars and stripes on it superimposed over that cut. And it's really great. And I wish they did that cut for every scene in this show. Oh, God. And then this is not the end of the episode, believe it or not. Fade cut to Jem brushing her hologram hair alone in the green room. And the president comes in. And at first I thought this was going to go in like a Jack Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe direction. But no. The president offers to give. Is it the Medal of Honor? It can't be the Medal of Honor. (laughs) That's, That's for soldiers. He says the Presidential Medal of Honor. I wish I was making that up. That's not the right one. Either way, Jem went above and beyond the call of duty. And Jarek is like, well, Synergy should get a medal. 
And uh, the president's like, well, I can't give a computer a medal, but I can say that the next time she's in Washington, she'll be treated with the utmost respect. Synergy then Peter pans in. She dives through a hole in space. And for all the dodgy animation in this episode, it actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, is that where their entire budget went for that episode? And then Synergy immediately starts interacting with physical objects. That's the best news I've heard all week. And she like puts her hands on Jerrica's shoulders and they all laugh together. Synergy's in a pretty good mood for somebody who got dismembered today. Gem and the holograms! Yay! And that was the actual episode. Good job, Beth Borenstein. Good, good job. This was a heck of an episode. I love it. I am really glad we had you on for this, Chris. I'm so glad. Where can people find you, Chris? Everybody can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as the ISB. That's T-H-E-I-S-B. I do a couple podcasts that people might be interested in. Uh, Annie, you've been on Sailor Business, uh, the episode-by-episode Sailor Moon podcast that I do with Jordan D. White and a guest every episode. I also do a uh, comic books uh, review interview uh, podcast called War Rocket Ajax, where we talk a lot about pro wrestling and bar barbecue. Uh, I'm also the senior writer of ComicsAlliance.com, and uh, I write uh, for Marvel with my writing partner Chad Bowers. We're the writers of X-Men 92, so if you like old cartoons, maybe check that out. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. I love uh, the Gem Jam. Absolutely. No, absolutely anytime. Join us next time when we are going to be dealing with trains. It's Rock and Roll Express, aka Taking a Train. The Gem Jam comes out every Sunday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and YouTube. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr. We are at the Gem Jam just about everywhere except on Twitter where we are at Gem Jam Cast. If you like what we do and uh, you want to support us, any kinds of like, review, subscribes, or ratings anywhere you find our podcast are super helpful, really help our metrics. If you have a couple of bucks sitting around, uh, you can absolutely give those to us at patreon.com slash the Gem Jam. Until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. I'm Chris. And this is the Gem Jam, where we remind you, ask not what your outrageousness can do for you, but what you can do to be outrageous.